You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. Hey guys, how's it going? Good? You feel like better than um, when you came in? Because you were worshiping Jesus with other awesome people? I know I do. Okay, so as you guys have heard, probably some of you haven't, but the last few weeks, so this summer, we've been um, talking about Jesus's encounters with different outsiders, classified outsiders in the Bible and scripture, right? So um, we started out, um, Caleb t- talked about the leper that Jesus healed, and um, the woman with the issue of blood, and then Jairus's daughter being raised from the dead. And then last week, Jason talked about the man with the withered hand that Jesus healed on the Sabbath, right? And so all those people were healed or dead. And so today, um, I'm going to talk about um, the woman at the well, the Samaritan. And this will be the first outsider that we talk about that her issue was immorality, okay? So how many of you guys are familiar with the story of the woman at the well? Yes, it's pretty common, but if you haven't, you get to learn today. We're going to dive into it, and I'm going to call Becky up. She's going to read today's scripture. So thank you, Becky. Doesn't she look beautiful? I love her dress. Okay. John 4, 1 to 30. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you the living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man now you, you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. 
We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and now has come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving the water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Thank you. That is God's word. It's a long one today, but so much in there. I'm not going to be able to talk about everything. There, it's like, it's a lot to unpack. So, how many of you guys caught that he asked her for a drink, and then she was like, you're asking me for a drink? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Did you guys catch that? I was reading this to my daughter this week, and that's the first thing she asked. She said, why didn't... Samaritans and Jews get along. Like, what, what was the deal between them? So, basically, Jews often avoided Samaritans, okay? They were, they had opinions and thoughts and racists. And, um, you know, they, they had beliefs that the Samaritans were unclean because Samaritans were considered half-breeds. So, half-Jew, half-another ethnicity, okay? So, they had, Jews had this belief that, if they, you know, some, it was really strong. So sometimes Jews would actually go around Samaria. They would choose to cross the Jordan River and go an extra long way just to prevent going through Samaria. So that wasn't healthy. It wasn't good, right? And so that's why she was really taken aback. Like, you're asking me for a drink? Like, first you're talking to me? Because he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan. And so... Also, the fact that she asked for a drink is because um, Jews believed that if they shared like a cup or a dish or something, that they would become ceremonial unclean. Okay, so if they shared anything like that, they would become then unclean, right? So there was this tension between both communities. And then, so him asking her for a drink was very revolutionary. And then also what was revolutionary is that Jesus was talking to a woman in public. So it was very um, rare that a Jewish religious leader would talk to a woman in public, right? So she was very taken aback. There were some shockers there, right? Who is this man? He's a man. He's talking to me, a Samaritan. He's Jew. Like, what is going on here? Do you guys imagine that would be like, what? right? Because culturally, like, that is not normal at all for those parties to um, communicate with each other, really, and to, to be talking. So Jesus just surprised everybody, right? All throughout <laughs> scripture, he just surprised people because he was out of the ordinary and he lived differently. So, and that's why at the end, when the disciples walked up after they'd gotten food that it says that they were surprised to see Jesus talking to her. So that's, that's why they were surprised. Like, 
he's talking to a woman, what? But by then, they probably learned that if they ask, then they didn't ask, right? Even says they didn't ask about it. And I wonder if it's because they know when they would ask him questions, he would, you know, I don't know, be like, give him a long thing. Anyways, it doesn't matter. They just knew. They trusted him, I think. Um, So she must have been surprised to have Jesus pay attention to him, to her. Jewish, a man, he was kind. He was a kind stranger to her. So I love it because Jesus cared far more for her than his reputation and how he looked associating with her. He cared way more about her as a person than what people might walk by and be like, what? He didn't care about that. He put his reputation aside. He cared about the person. Um. Also, the fact that she was an outsider from the Jewish community, commentators have said that she was likely a, also an outsider in her own Samaritan community. And the reason for that, that, you know, we kind of, it doesn't say it, but the fact that it specifies that she was at the well at noon, so noon, and in some translations, sixth hour, was the hottest part of the day. Okay, and so a lot of people, it was known that they would go to draw water in the mornings and the evenings to avoid the heat of the day, right? It's like you're walking, sweaty, like when you do that, you try to avoid the heat. But the fact that she was there at noon is an indicator that I would presume that she was maybe avoiding people. Could she have possibly been avoiding them, um, avoiding their judgments? Because we read later that God called her on some, some things. And so this, the Samaritans also probably knew about her life and her multiple marriages and that she's living with someone that she's, or I don't know, not living, but partner with somebody who she's not married to. You know, all these things. So I can imagine that she may be carrying some shame or guilt that people put on her and judged her and maybe like you're not living how you should live right so could you imagine how that might feel for her because Jews held that a woman um, might be divorced twice or at the most three times but any more than that would would be classified as exceedingly immoral right so so it was very yeah so not currently married. Why wasn't she currently married to her partner? I don't know. Like we can speculate that maybe um, he was married. Um, maybe she just had this reputation of being damaged goods. You know, something's really wrong with her. Maybe he was just using her. Like there's lots of speculation. But um, you can imagine how she would feel in this environment, right? Um, how do you think she felt? Shame? guilt, sad, alone. And you know, when you get sad, sometimes that sadness can turn to anger. And then that anger could turn to numbness, which is probably why she's like, I'm going to just suck it up and walk to the well at noon so I can avoid all the judgments. Right? She wasn't feeling welcomed. And that's a problem. So then we go on to say, Jesus, you know, asks her for something, and then he goes on to say that 
you know, he has prophetic insight. He knows what her life has been like. He's, he sees some stuff, some decisions she's made. And so with prophetic insight into her life, Jesus strikes up a conversation about water, of all things. And, um, and then quickly alludes to living water. And I find it very interesting that he chooses water as the metaphor, because water is such a basic human need, and so is love, right? So he strikes up this conversation about water, living water. She's intrigued, like, what? Again, another shocker, like, what is this guy talking about? You know, and, and he's seeking to connect. And, um, and she, like, when you think about the multiple men in her life, I think that she was looking for something. She was longing for something deep within her that she, no man, nothing was actually satisfying her. And Jesus knew that. She was searching. She was looking. She didn't know what she was looking for, but there was something within her. She was looking for the satisfaction, looking for love, looking for acceptance, looking for connection, right? And Jesus knew this. And we could talk about today, this day and age, in our culture. We are all longing for something in here. We are all created with a longing within us to know God and to know his love and to love him. And anything we try, it's not going to satisfy us. We keep going to these wells of promises. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's um, the latest and the greatest. If I only got that, or maybe that boat, or that car, or did that to my house, or whatever it is, right? The latest and greatest. Um, for some, pornography, addictions. You know, you want to numb out, maybe you go get an out, like you start drinking a bunch. Like, there's so many things that we try to take and do to satisfy that deep longing within us, but none of it, none of it truly satisfies. You know, it could be things are rough in your marriage, and maybe, and I feel like this is a warning even to those married, like, don't give up. It, the grass is not greener on the other side. You know, like, um, don't go looking for another partner, another spouse. Um, one of the wells of promise today would be, I would say, sexual identity. Well, if you just identify as this, you'll feel better or, or you'll be better. You know, like all these things, if you're confused, try this. Gender identity, all these things. Diet fads. Well, if you just drink this shake, you'll have the body you want. You know, all those things. You know, being obsessed with your image. Those are all false wells of promise. And it's Jesus, it's Jesus who is going to satisfy that, that deep longing that we all have, okay? And maybe I didn't name some of the, the wells of promise that, you, that may come to mind for you. It's different for everybody, right? So as many in our culture find, their chosen wells of promise run dry there is a great need for people who know where to find that living water. People like you and me who have tasted, who have drank from the living water, Jesus. We get to go and share that. We get to say, I know, I know where you can get a drink. And you'll never be thirsty again. 
He's done it in my life, and I get to tell you. We get to do that. We get to be that person who tells people about Jesus and that living water that we can have forever. So what can we learn from Jesus about leading people to, le- to living water? Because just going around saying that, maybe it'll work, but <laughs> probably not. It's following the Holy Spirit, of course, not running down the street. I have living water! You know, you might. But we're going to look at what Jesus did, okay? What, how did he connect with this woman, okay? So he prioritized connection before correction. And when I say correction too, I just don't mean like he did correct her with words, but I even talk about the condition of your heart. Like, do you, are you, do you walk around with, in your heart, it's all unspoken, judging people, or you come across someone and you're like uncomfortable, or you're like, you know, like what's in your heart? So when I'm saying um, correction, I'm also talking about what's in your heart and your mind too towards the person that you may not actually speak out, but it's in there. Okay? Does that make sense? All right. So we first notice Jesus was um, wearied from his journey. He sat by the well. And verse 6 says he was tired from his journey. He had walked a long way. It was really hot, right? He was tired, But we know that even though he was tired, he still talked to her. I know when I'm tired, I am done. Like, I don't want to talk to nobody. I just, you know, want to rest and just not talk to anyone sometimes, right? Do you guys ever feel that way? Maybe you just want to zone out. Um, You know, sometimes when I get home from work, I, like, drive and park in my carport, and I just go on my phone. Does anyone else do that? I just, oh, now I'm tired. I just got to, I'm just going to sit here. I'll just sit here for one minute, and it's like five minutes and then ten minutes, and I'm just like, ugh. So anyways, all that to say, you're tired, and sometimes you don't want to talk to anybody if you're tired. Um, We want to be alone. We want to rest, because who, who agrees? Connecting with people takes energy. Right? It totally takes energy. It, it takes effort, especially if you're connecting with people you don't know very well. Right? Maybe it's new people. You know, you're going out to dinner with like a, you don't really know them yet, but you're like on. You're like, okay, all right, I'm going to ask these questions and this and this. Like you're just extra on if it's people you don't know. Anybody relate to that? Um, and sometimes it can be uncomfortable and scary especially if it's people, like I said, you don't really know, or maybe they're really different from you. It can be scary and uncomfortable. You don't want to say anything that might offend or all the things. There's just a lot going on in your mind when we're connecting with people. But Jesus, he just made it effortless, <laughs> you know, and, and he, he was tired, but he chose to connect. So he put his own because he's human, so he experienced what we experienced. Even though he was God in the flesh, he still got tired, right? So despite exhaustion, Jesus leaned in to connect with the woman. And he starts by connecting at a very human level. What does he do? The first thing he says, will you give me a drink? So it's a very human basic need. We all need water. He needs water. She has the cup for the water. Hey, will you give me a drink? 
right? He doesn't start with, I'm going to tell you all about living water. He doesn't start with the word of knowledge about her, her past marital woes. He doesn't start the debate because later she kind of brings up the worship. Oh, you say to worship, they say to worship there, blah, blah. He doesn't start there at a debate. He starts with a very basic, can you, can you help me out? Can you give me a drink? Right? He, seeks, he sees her just as another human. So, at, And also, a side note, asking people for help puts um, a place of power. Like, they don't feel as cornered because you're coming to them in humility. Like, hey, could you help me out? Or, you know, and then they get to decide whether they want to engage with you or, or help you or not. Right? So that's just a little side note. So Jesus did the opposite of everyone else. So we talked about the tension between the Samaritans and the Jews and how she was an outsider in both communities, how that must have felt for her. And he did the opposite. So instead of rejecting her like everyone else, he sought to connect with her. So he saw past her brokenness and her sin. He saw her and he, he looked past their differences and he saw her as a human being. And he saw um, her with a purpose and a future, right? That's, that's what he saw when he looked at her. So instead of correcting her sin, Jesus saw her search for love as being like our basic need for water. So he didn't, he didn't judge her search for love. Like he knew what she was really needing and really searching for, and that's what he connected with. So did Jesus hold compromised views on marriage and divorce? He did not, because everywhere else in the Bible, you see his views on that. So he didn't, like, engage with her and then change his mind. Or So it's like he, despite his views on marriage, he still sought to connect first, even though he didn't, he didn't agree with her decisions and her way, of her current life, but he still chose to connect. So... I I pose a question to us. Are we often so focused on the correction we think people need that we entirely miss opportunities for connection? That's That's a question to ask ourselves. It's like, well, they need to believe this or they have it wrong. Jesus connected first. And we look at his life, and he's our role model. So we want to look to him and do what he did. <laughs> I remember, um, you know, I, I, used, I had some preconceived ideas and judgments about indigenous communities. Probably a lot in my upbringing, you know, you just kind of like hear things and it just becomes a part of your tape. And I did. And, and that's like, that is what it is. I did. And I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. But I met my friend Tina and some other friends of mine that are also indigenous. And man, have I learned a lot from her. And I had no clue. I didn't understand where, where I went to school. We didn't, that wasn't, we didn't talk about it. I had no idea. And um, 
And I didn't know the judgments that would come up in me and just these, pre, these preconceived ideas that, that um, God totally um, convicted me through my friend over there. And um, I, didn't, I didn't know the pain. I didn't know the unfairness or the lack of resources that they have. I, I didn't know any of that until I started listening and until I started seeking to connect. So I started to ask questions. You know, I called her last night to ask her a question. I was like, okay, this is what I'm feeling and to say, what do you think? Like, is this, you know, and it's like not being afraid to ask questions and actually having curiosity and seeking to understand and to, to reflect and to own, own that, man, I can't believe I used to think that. But Jesus covers all and we can move forward. And now... Through it, through connecting and getting to know the, um, the amazing people that they are, I've learned so much. I, I listen, and I've, I ask God to search my heart, and he searched my heart, and now I have a completely different perspective and thoughts. And I've grown, and now when people, when I hear stuff, like slighted remarks or something, I, I speak up. I'm like, actually... You don't know. And how, how would you feel if this happened? You know, like you speak up. That's the only way change is going to happen. And it's, and it's being real with, yeah, I had that in my heart. And it was yucky. But now, Jesus, and, and we're tight. I love her. Thank you, friend. So, again, it's leaning in. It's being curious, asking questions. You know, maybe you work Maybe you work with people who have different beliefs than you, a different religion. Ask them about it. Hey, tell me about this. What do you guys think about this? What do you guys believe about this? Just ask questions. It goes so far and so long, and then maybe they'll ask you back, and you, you have this relationship with each other that you can talk and share freely, right? I remember a few years ago, I went, uh, I was going to get travel insurance, and I had my two older boys with me, and, um, you know, you walk in, and then they're like, okay, so-and-so will be right with you, and we're waiting in the waiting room, and then this man comes up, I I forgot his name, even if I knew his name, I wouldn't say it, Um, and he comes up, and he's like, "Uh, Telsey? And I look over, and he's completely dressed, like he's a man, and he has a man's name, but he is dressed like a woman, okay? He has nails, he has a dress, skirt, a wig, all of it, but he's talking, like he has a man's voice, and he has a man's name. And I, I was taken aback. I, I was uncomfortable, like, whoa, like that was my first reaction inside, like, oh, and I didn't quite... I was just, you know, when that happens, you're kind of like, your brain's like, ooh. And I felt, and we started walking to his desk. My boys stay in the waiting area. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, I made him and I love him. And I was like, oh. You know, when that just hits you, you're convicted. And I could have just been like, ignored it. But I was like, oh. I was completely convicted that I judged him by his outward appearance versus connecting and leaning in. And it was that correction in my heart, right? That's what the judgment came from. 
And I remember just, okay, my heart shifted, and the walls that I had instinctively put up came down, and I sought to connect with the man. And we had a great conversation. We talked about traveling. We talked about our families. Like, I, I was able to talk to him like I would anyone else. And I was able to do that because the Holy, because the Holy Spirit pinpointed on my heart and I was able to respond, right? So even, and after that, so the boys had seen who had called me. So then as we leave and we're getting in the car, we had a good conversation. I don't know if they even remember, but it sparked a conversation because they were like, what was that? Like they were, because it was our first like really like face-to-face um, ex- like dialogue with someone so different, right? Um, And so we had a great conversation. And just um, just because I sought to connect with the man doesn't mean that I agree with his decisions or, or think that it's the very best for him, God's best, but he still deserves to be treated just like I would anyone else. Doesn't make him less than. Amen? So we can't expect people who don't know or follow Jesus yet to, to live according to his word or ways. Like, we can't. It's not fair. That's, that's not how it works. So it's not our place uh, to judge or accuse people. It's our place to love, to connect, and to share the good news of Jesus. That's our place. And we need the Holy Spirit for that. Amen? To, to actually walk in genuine love and, and, and curiosity and be able to have authentic conversation. Because I'll tell you, people know if you're being genuine or not. They do. People can pick up on that. And I don't know about you, but I want to be genuine in every conversation I have. And it's through that that trust is built you know, and in seeking God for wisdom and how we word things and just how we walk in our lives. So connecting does not mean agreeing all of the time. And you notice later, we won't get into it, but she was like, oh, her, she kind of brought up the, will you say to worship there and we say to worship there. But notice how Jesus disagrees with her take on worship Um, So he didn't, like, compromise to connect with her, and then they just carried on the conversation. So I asked, what would happen if we moved towards and sought to connect with people who are different from us? It could be they they are from somewhere else, like a different ethnicity, Um, different beliefs, different religions. Maybe they don't believe in any, any God, right? Um, different views on big topics, right? Different ages. What would it look like we seek to connect with different ages or people at different phases of life? You know, not having these lines that, well, I'm 30, so I only talk to 30-year-olds. Like, I don't know. (laughs) So being curious is huge. So ask questions, seek to understand, reflect what you hear, and be a safe, judgment-free, you know, and really leaning in and asking Jesus to help you because he's the only way 
the Holy Spirit will help us. So we're going to, we've been breaking up into discussion groups. Um, so we're going to do that in a couple minutes. Um, but I just want to say, like, you may not think that you're an evangelist. And I'm not, I'm not saying to, like, go to work tomorrow, stand on your desk, and be like, let me tell you about living water, Jesus. Like, I'm not saying to do that, okay? Because that might not go over well. And uh, I, I don't know if people would listen to you. <laughs> but, um, but there's wisdom, right? Seeking the Lord and your everyday life. Like, we are missionaries. Every single one of you in this room, if you know Jesus and you've given your life to him and he's the Lord of your life, you are a missionary. You don't have to go overseas, which we do appreciate when you do, but you don't. And so living that, knowing that, and what I'm, the, today what I'm hoping for is that our hearts would be changed, that we would have soft hearts towards all people, no matter what. Because God made them, he loves them, and he wants us to connect with them. And um, so it's that, it's, it's walking in a non-excluding love, just like Jesus. And not doesn't mean compromising, okay? That's not what I'm saying. It's walking in love, first and connecting and those judgments those you should live this way are gone okay so remember that we've we've all returned time and time again to wells of promise that do not satisfy us like i know i do over and over sometimes you know it's like ooh another lemon bar like, I'm, I'm not, I'm serious. I just tell how it is, okay? I emotionally eat. It's because I, I'm, like, upset about something or I don't understand something or I feel misunderstood or there's, friend like, tension. And I just go to other things or I veg out on a TV show when it's really I just needed to talk to Jesus. So we all do it. We all go to those wells that don't actually satisfy us. So that helps us because we've been where other people are too, right? Like, so it helps us to connect because we've, we've all fallen short. We've all gone to things that don't satisfy us. So we're going to go into the questions. So break up into um, maybe five people. What time is it? Okay, so the questions, are they up there? Elijah, will you put the questions up? Okay, good. So question one, are there people you find yourself wanting to avoid or correct more than connect with? Question two, what are simple, normal human ways that you could or that you already do lean or do lean into connecting with outsiders? So if you guys could break up, I know it may be uncomfortable with some of you, but it's really good. We need each other. We need to hear each other's voices and all that. So, and then we'll, I'll give you five minutes. Okay. Time's up. 
sorry. <laughs> you can always keep talking afterwards. Actually, you can invite whoever you're with for lunch or something, or, you know, just an idea. <laughs> or for dinner later this month or something. Just saying. Okay, I would love, I would love to hear, like, maybe two, two or three groups, if, if you guys want to send up a representative of your group to share maybe what you talked about, what you came up with. So we'll start. Anybody? No? You want to come up, Malachi? Anyone else want to share? <laughs> Woo! Okay, Malachi, do you want to tell me? Um, yeah, just whatever your group. So our group, we started with the first question, believe it or not. And we came to the conclusion, basically, like, we just decided upon gay and transgender people because they're kind of scary when you see them across the room. Like, you were talking about that one, transgender. And we were talking about how do you talk with them. We just decided that you have to remember that they are just human and made in God's image, made by God, to quote you, quote, unquote. Uh, yeah, and just, like, talk with them. Like, go out for lunch, go out for a coffee, and just remember that the human don't attack them. Just be nice to them like you would be anyone else, like to Garen. Thank you. Thank you, Malachi. Anyone else want to share? So Nikki was saying, just ask questions. Um, find the common commonalities. Start there, right? And then move forward from that. That's great. It's awesome. Okay, so um, what, just to wrap it up, just like a feather thing. Um, verse 28. So the woman, after her interaction with Jesus, um, it says that then leaving her water jar, she went back to town to tell everybody about what just happened and to tell them about Jesus. And I love that she, she actually left her water jar. So what she originally went there for, she didn't take back with her. Right? So the living water she found with her interaction with Jesus, she, she left, left her unconcerned with the previous water jar. Does that make sense? And then her testimony led other people to know Jesus. So um, she became a carrier of the living water, just like you and I are carriers of the living water. And so we get to go to um, those who've only known disappointing wells that never truly quench their thirst, and we get to tell them about the living water, just like she did, and that they can leave the old well, the old sources behind. Okay, so just want to leave you with this. You never know how God may use that one person you get to share Jesus with. For all you know, they might become a missionary. They might become a church planter. We are, but I mean overseas. Thank you, William. He corrected me on that. <laughs> they will become a missionary just like us overseas. <laughs> I love that. Thank you, William. Um, so, yeah, you just never know who, who, how God may use that person that you get to share Jesus with. And also, don't be surprised that lost people are lost. Okay? So, don't judge them. Lean in. Love them. Connect before you correct. All right? And Caleb's going to come up. Love you guys.
Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Life Tree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Life Tree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.